The views and opinions expressed during Eye on the Triangle do not represent WKNC or the student media. Your dial is currently tuned to Eye on the Triangle at WKNC 88.1. Thanks for listening. I'm Aaron Kling with WKNC 88.1's Eye on the Triangle, and I'm currently speaking with Dr. Elizabeth Tilson, member of the Department of Human Health and Services for North Carolina. Hello, doctor. Hello, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good, all things considered. Great. Now, today I've brought you in to talk about the pandemic that is still sweeping the country and various parts of the world, SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19, as it is commonly called. Do we have any progress on the expectation of how long the pandemic is going to last and what's really going on with officials in the uh, in the state. Well, let's see. So a couple things. So one, progress in the state. I hope everybody follows along on our public dashboard that shows all of our trends and key indicators so that everybody can follow along and see where we are in North Carolina. So that's the first thing. And that's on our DHHS website and our COVID dashboard. We've tried to be as transparent as possible and have all the information up there. I think the good news in North Carolina is that we have begun to stabilize and even decrease in some of our key metrics, which is really good. And some of the things we look at is the number of new cases per day, and we're starting to, we had a little bit of a bump after colleges opened, but we're seeing stabilization and a little bit of a decrease in that. We also look at our percent positive, that is, of all of the tests, what percent is positive of all of our tests. We're starting to see that trend down. We really want to see it under 5%. We're at 6.2, so we're getting close. The percent of people that are in the emergency department, what percent are there for COVID-like illness? This is kind of an early indicator for us, and we're starting to see that decrease across the state, which is really good. And then our hospitalizations. Um, and that has remained stable as well. So I think we're stabilizing and starting to see some decreases, which is really good. And that's one of the reasons that we were able to go into what we call phase 2.5, that we're able to ease restrictions a little bit and be able to open up some things. I think we've had good progress. That progress is quite fragile. We all need to continue to practice those three W's, the preventive pieces of the three W's, wearing the face covering, waiting six feet apart, washing your hands, the more we can do those preventive actions and the more we can continue to um, ease restrictions um, and, and open up our economy. So that's kind of where we are in North Carolina. And again, I hope everybody follows our public dashboard. The predictor, you asked, how long will this last? And that I will honestly say, I don't know, but there's a couple things that I do know. One, the more we all practice the preventive strategies, the more people that are wearing face coverings, the more people that are practicing social distancing, the more we do prevention, then the shorter the pandemic will last. So that's one thing that we can do. The second thing on the horizon, which I'm very excited about and I think will be a big game changer, is a COVID-19 vaccine. Um, and I'm hoping that we see that perhaps as early as the end of this year, but the beginning of next year. And I'm hoping 
by the spring of next year that we will have a fair amount of vaccine. And that then is will really help as well in terms of decreasing that spread. So those are the couple of things I see on the horizon. Is there any possibility of new strains of COVID as it's passing to the population? There's always a possibility, and there was some reports of maybe a little bit of a change in the genetic makeup of the virus, maybe making it perhaps a little bit more easy to spread. But I think that we're still following that. And again, I think there is always the chance of having that genetic shift. I've only seen a little bit of a genetic shift so far, but we'll be following that. Okay. And I guess more importantly, that shouldn't serve as any obstacle to the production of a vaccine. No, it shouldn't. Okay. Fantastic. So basically, it's the same business as usual. Wear your mask, keep your distance, and make sure that you are... Washing your hands. The three W's. Wear face covering, wait six feet apart, and wash your hands. That's right. Those are really the key strategies, right? Until we have a vaccine, those are our key strategies. And then in addition, I would add, one is really making sure that you're avoiding large gatherings, right? The more people that are together then the more people can infect each other. So really avoiding large gatherings. And then when we think about the other piece, so prevention is a huge pillar of this, but certainly thinking about testing and contact tracing as well. So if you think that you have any COVID symptoms or you think you've been exposed to someone with COVID, then making sure you're seeking out testing and then making sure that you are following the isolation and quarantine recommendations so you're not infecting other people. And then also that you are engaging in the contact tracing part of this, meaning that if you are positive, making sure that you're letting the contact tracer know of who your close contacts were. And if you are contacted as a close contact of someone who's positive, making sure that you are quarantining and being part of that contact tracing. So those are the kind of like secondary prevention strategies as well. Primary prevention meaning don't get the infection in the first place. Secondary prevention is prompt testing and then contact tracing to help prevent the spread if someone does get infected. Now, going to seek any kind of medical help can be a little bit anxiety-making for a lot of people. Where would you go to try to get your hands on a test as easily and quickly as possible? Yeah, I think there's a couple different strategies. So one, for people who have primary care physicians or a medical home, it's always the best place to start is call your primary care doctor on your medical home. They can talk through you with your symptoms, can talk through if, if it seems like you need a test or not. And also, remember, a test is an intervention. And that if you do have the infection, then you want to be sure that you're connecting in with medical care in case you need medical care and your infection gets more severe. The first call if you're connected to a medical home, it should be your primary care provider or your medical home. The second thing is on our website, we do have a Find My Test site, and you can go on that and put in your zip code, and you can see all the testing sites across the state where you can get a test. But remember, a test isn't an intervention. A test isn't medical care. And so we also want to be sure people are tucking into medical care in case they do get more complications with their infection. Should you only test if you have any symptoms or should you test if you feel that you've been exposed? The latter. So we do know that probably at least a half of people can have an infection without having symptoms or having symptoms that are so mild that they don't even recognize it, or maybe what we call atypical symptoms. You know, certainly the typical symptoms are thinking like fever, cough, shortness of breath, but we're also finding that people can have things like a headache or a sore throat, or maybe vomiting or diarrhea, symptoms that you may not think about as a respiratory infection. So it should be 
if you have any symptoms consistent with COVID or even non-typical symptoms, but also for sure, if you think that you have been exposed to COVID-19, then yes, getting a test as well is important because as I said, uh, a lot of people can have the infection and not even know it or not have classic symptoms. So with these spikes, the question remains, what exactly can be done? What exactly can we expect in colleges and what can people do to keep themselves healthy? I think as we have people come back to school settings, especially Institute of Higher Education, where we have people are living together and there's a lot of people in close quarters, that is a relatively high-risk environment. And so people really need to think through those preventive strategies, especially as they go back to their college campuses, right? And so ensuring that face covering all the time, ensuring that social distancing, not having large gatherings, not having parties, not having social events, either on or off campus, critically important. I know it's really, really hard. And there is that social aspect, especially of college and such an important piece of it. But for right now, ensuring that people, again, are not having large gatherings, staying six feet apart, wearing face coverings, incredibly important because we know that this virus spreads pretty quickly and can spread really quickly amongst young people as well. So those three W's are critically important as our people are coming back to campus. Dr. Elizabeth Tilson, thank you so much for coming in. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Really, really appreciate this opportunity to get the message out and talk about what's important for our state. Where can we go for more information on the virus? You can go to our website, so that our North Carolina DHHS website, and we have our coronavirus page. And on there, you can get our dashboard, the guidance, everything you wanted to know about COVID-19 right on our DHHS website. And then also the CDC website as well is a great trusted source of information. Fantastic. Everyone, remember. If Dr. Elizabeth Tilson's predictions are true, we're only at the halfway point of this disease. That means stay the course, stay healthy, and don't put yourself or loved ones at risk. WKNC 88.1's I Am The Triangle. I'm Aaron Kling. I just finished speaking with Dr. Elizabeth Tilson, the Department of Human Health and Services in North Carolina. Have a good one, people. With the College Radio News Network, I'm Sam Carliner. The following is an interview with investigative journalist Greg Palast. Greg has been covering rigging of American elections for 20 years and has recently published a book, How Trump Stole 2020, which explores the ways that the Republican Party has spent the past several years purging voters in key 2020 states. It's a very concerning look at attacks on our democracy and what will need to be done in order to ensure that in November the election is fair, is valid, and is legitimate. Enjoy. I am joined by Greg Palast, an investigative journalist with a history of reporting for BBC, The Guardian, and Rolling Stone. He is also a four-time New York Times best-selling author including his book, The Best Democracy Money Can Buy, and his recent book, which came out last month, How Trump Stole 2020. He's done a lot of great work explaining a lot of the ways that our democracy has been rigged, corrupted, and just filled with a lot of, of seedy, seedy um, behavior. Uh, and now more than ever, I'm really glad to be having this conversation. So Greg, thank you for being on the show. Glad to be with you, Sam. 
unfortunately, I, I wish it was better times. I, as we record sort of the top stories that Trump has blatantly admitted that the whole defunding of the Postal Service is to keep people from voting, something you know about. Yes, uh, I've been working on this uh, beat of vote heist for 20 years, you know, Guardian, Rolling Stone, BBC Television. And this year, it's, it's gone from bad to real ugly. So, and in particular, I was very glad that we're having this conversation because the new group that's under attack, in fact, the number one group under attack, are students and uh, voters 25 and under. And there's just been a wide scale attack on the rights of students to vote nationwide. It's, uh, you know, and it's actually one of the great hidden uh, vote, uh, civil rights disasters that we are heading into. And I think it's so concerning because a lot of what people point out is that it's it's on young people to be the next the next phase of how elections are determined and also just the issues uh, are going to affect us the most. We're going to talk about a few things, but can you elaborate, since, since we're recording this for college radio, can you elaborate a bit first on some of how students are uh, disenfranchised in the election process? Wow, big time. Well, number one, students are subject to something we call the big purge. 16.7 million voters, and this is in how Trump stole 2020, 16.7 million voters were purged, that is erased from the voter rolls, lost, you lose your registration, you ain't voting if you don't have your registration, and certainly you're not going to get a mail-in ballot. So millions of these people, millions of people are going to be shocked to find out that they can't vote or they, they're no longer in the voter rolls, they can't get their ballot. And who's particularly vulnerable? Students, because the main reason that they are removing people from the voter rolls is that you move. Now, under federal law, if you move from dorm room to dorm room or, you know, stay on your friend's couch for a month or you go home for a uh, summer vacation or, or go home for uh, COVID uh, um, sheltering, you're not supposed to lose your vote under federal law. That doesn't stop these characters from doing it. Now, it happens in every state. Both parties do it, but right now, the big advantage of knocking out students is from the GOP. Why? Because you're all, you know, you young people are all voters of color, and the color is blue. You vote Democratic. And so they have a good interest in knocking you out. So number one is the big purge. Millions of young people purge, and purge wrongly. I've actually gone through the voter rolls of Georgia, Wisconsin, and others. And, and for example, there's a mass purge of voters in Wisconsin that is about to come down. Well, let me tell you, uh, the, the biggest group of voters under threat were voters in Milwaukee, which are almost all African-American. The second biggest group of voters, almost equal in size that are threatened, are the University of Wisconsin students that is in, uh, in Madison, Wisconsin. And here's the big one. Now we move to other tricks and how to save your vote. By the way, number one, I want to tell you how to save your vote, which is look up your registration. I want to get into that. The other thing is, okay, two things, student IDs. A lot of states are now requiring student that you have a photo state ID to vote. Okay, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's to stop a fraud, impersonation fraud that doesn't happen. You know, someone walk in and say, I'm Greg Palace or I'm Sam, give me his ballot. No, people, if you do that, you're going to go to jail for five years. It's to stop this fraud, which no one commits, but student ID. So for example, in Texas and in Wisconsin, you can use your concealed carry gun permit to vote, 
but don't bother using your student ID. Well, in Wisconsin, there's 182,000 of you students who have the state photo ID as required by law, but guess what? The law is written in such a way that you can't use that University of Wisconsin ID. You have to get a special ID from your Dean of Students and that office is closed, of course, you know, so how do you get your ID to vote? So they are mass wiping out the voting rights of the students in uh, uh, the 182,000 University of Wisconsin students. And this is happening in Texas, happening in several other states where student ID is not being accepted. That, and then also, and, I'll, and then I can stop because it goes on and on. In, in How Trump Stole 2020, I have a whole list of ways that, they, that they're going after students. Many, many states require first-time students, uh, first-time voters, and that's generally your, your students who are registering a first-time or first-time in a new state. They require that you include a photocopy of your ID to vote and you make sure it's the right ID. That knocks out a lot. That's gonna lock, it knocks out a lot of voters because you don't know about the rule. So read the instructions insanely carefully. Think of it as the SAT. You've got to like really read this thing. And it's not easy to read these instructions. You go to gregpalace.com, you'll get some more information for your state. So don't fail if it says put in your ID, do so. In some states like Alabama and Missouri, you're going to have to get your ballot or your request for mail-in ballot notarized like that. Well, where, by the way, where are you going to find a notary right now? I don't know. doesn't matter. You're going to have to do it. Um, in eight states at least, including Wisconsin. I keep bringing up Wisconsin uh, because you have, to have a, you have to have a witness in Wisconsin to your um, – someone has to witness you. About, make sure that they're a citizen. Make sure – in fact, uh, make sure that they're a voter would be the best. So there's all these crazy things to do to vote, and they particularly make it hard on students because – you know, like I say, you move down to a new dorm room, you don't get your mail-in ballot. You may have been purged from the voter rolls, you don't know it. Uh, you, you got, you send in, it says include your student ID and you do, by the way, Wisconsin, you ready for this, Sam? And then I'll get back to you. I don't know if I am. Uh, if you are a University of Wisconsin student, if you're a university student in, in uh, Wisconsin, which is the swing state, that's going to decide the presidency. You not only have to have the right student ID, but you're going to have to enclose in, you're going to have to enclose a piece of paper which says you are enrolled in good standing. Now, Sam, what does passing French or, uh, have to do with whether you should vote for president? Uh, what does that mean? Why do you have to be enrolled in good standing? It's all about whether the person voting is the person voting. So you look for an ID. It doesn't matter if you're in good standing. Is that you or not? And so... It's, but it's a simple trick. How many students are going to be able to go through this rigmarole of getting some type of letter saying, I'm enrolled in good standing? I don't even know if schools have such a thing. It's, so it created an impossible uh, jumping off point. But you can do something to protect yourself in all these cases. You elaborated a lot on Wisconsin, which I appreciate because, as you said, it's, a, it's going to be a key state. But another state you touched on was Georgia. And uh, I've started reading your book, and you, you mention in the book that Georgia is what launched a big part of the investigation behind these votes. Can you talk a bit about that and why Georgia is so important? Well, I, I've actually been investigating Georgia for seven years for Rolling Stone, Al Jazeera, and um, Salon. And what we found in Georgia was that they wiped, that the 
Republican Secretary of State, Brian Kemp, removed half a million voters from the voter rolls saying that they had moved. A lot of students on that list, a lot of students, and, or, and moved out of their county because you only have to re-register if you've moved out of your county. Well, we went through the list. When I say we, the Palest Investigative Fund, my team, um, they, we hired the top experts in the nation on where you live. You know who knows where you live? eBay, Amazon. <laughs> These guys all know where you live. They know, in fact, where you were last Thursday at 2 p.m., and I kid you not, we used 240 databases to find out where you are. And what we found out was a list was wrong. 340,134 voters wrongly removed in Georgia. Now, why is Georgia important? This year, Georgia becomes, and the census, if it hasn't been jacked with, will show Georgia is the first deep south white minority state. White people will be the, the minority this, starting this year. There's no reason why this is a red state, and they know it. And a massive new student population, massive new Asian American population coming into the state. There's no way Republicans, put it bluntly, there ain't enough white guys, old white guys to elect Donald Trump. There's a lot of young people, and there's a lot of non-white guys. And they, so there's not only the presidential race could turn on Georgia, because it's in play, but there are two, two open Senate seats, very, very unusual. So the Senate and the presidency could turn on Georgia. But the main reason I picked Georgia is that's where they first took out this system of the big purge, wiping out hundreds of thousands of voters at the same time, where they, that's where they took it for a test drive. And again, overwhelmingly, the number one group under attack are students. And, and, and it's close to home. My daughter tried to vote in Georgia. She was a student at the Savannah College of Art and Design. And she tried, she was there four years, could never vote in Georgia. And, and she, you know, like obviously you know where her daddy is. So we went through every little way we could pull it, but they kept challenging her residency. They kept looking for IDs that don't exist. You know, a kid between, uh, between uh, student departments and dorm rooms they wouldn't accept her permanent residency. So they make it difficult. They challenge students. But again, there's ways to overcome everything. I do remember back when it happened, Georgia was in the news. It's how a big part of how Stacey Abrams gained national attention was that she she pointed out the very blatant rigging. And there was a discussion around uh, it. But it seems that not much has come from it. Or it seems certainly not enough that it's not an issue now. So is there any reason why this is still going on even after uh, a test run was accomplished? Yeah, because it worked. You know, look, I, I, 20 years ago when I was with BBC and Guardian in Florida, 58,000 black men were removed from the voter rolls on the, in Florida on the grounds that they were felons, criminals who couldn't vote in Florida at the time. I got a whole list. It turns out none of them not one, zero were ex-cons. They were just guilty of voting all black. That made George W. Bush president of the United States. He won Florida, uh, dear students, by only 537 votes. It worked. So they took the purge concept and started rolling it out. And they moved from removing 58,000 to 580,000 to 5 million. And now they're increasing it. And in Georgia, they use this new system. For example, one of the things that they said is if you, if you miss an election, well, that's evidence that you've left the state. How's that evidence you've left the state? And they play a game here. Okay, so they stopped my daughter from voting. 
then they say, oh, you haven't voted. So you've, so you're not a valid voter anymore. So we have to watch. So the problem with, that with Georgia is that it succeeded. Now, Stacey Abrams cited the Greg Palace investigation teams. In fact, she hired the Greg Palace investigation team to go through voter rolls in Georgia after the election. We, we don't participate in any partisan races, um, but we are investigating in several states now. But the reason they continue with the purges, it worked. Stacey Abrams, by losing a third of a million voters, especially young voters, that was the margin of victory. Uh, way, it was six times her opponent's supposed margin of victory. This is a huge problem. And especially, again, we've got the mail-in problems now that are going to compound it. What can be done to address the mail-in problems? Because, you know, as you say, there's there's solutions to everything, but we're also looking at an unprecedented mail-in election. Uh, how do we go about keeping that from being rigged, keeping those from being stolen? You're not going to keep it from being rigged. I'm going to tell you that right now. But we can overcome the rigging. Some, number one, protect your vote. If you're listening to this, please check your registration. Now, I said students are particularly vulnerable because you're moving around, et cetera. But I don't care if, you're, if your daddy's watching and been voting in the same place 20 years. I'm going to tell you something right now. Christine Jordan, Martin Luther King's 92-year-old cousin. I was at the polling place that she'd voted in for 50 years when they threw her out because she'd been purged. Number one, go online. Every state allows you to check your registration online in, in, in almost every state. You can re-register online, take a screenshot so you have that. 17 million people wiped out. That's very good chance. It's you. It was me, by the way. I checked my registration here in California. Guess what? I was missing too. I re-registered. So that's number one. Number two, ask for your mail-in ballot like way in advance, at least two months. And if you don't get it, if you don't get it within um, 30 days of the election, or I would say three weeks of the election, I hate to say it, you're going to have to go into your county board of elections and pick it up. Or if you're a student who's like gone some distance back because of the sheltering, you're going to have to just sit on that phone till you say, where is my ballot? Uh, but the best is to pick it up. And finally, when you fill that thing out, I told you, think of it as the SAT. You've got to look at every little thing it says and don't mess with it. In other words, if it said, for example, Stacey Abrams herself got a ballot where the inside envelope was sealed because of the Georgia humidity. Remember, you get, you get a ballot in the mail and you get two envelopes One's a secrecy envelope and one is a regular uh, uh, mailing envelope. And make sure you fill out everything on that. And if it says, don't leave off your signature, et cetera. And make sure that you include all the crap that they ask you to put in, your, your ID, your witness signatures, et cetera. Make sure your signature looks exactly as it did when you registered because you're going to have some boogaloo boy uh, schmuck in a, um, in a Hawaiian shirt who's going to try to challenge your vote and say, I don't like that signature. 624,000 people lost their vote in 16 to witness to signature challenges. I know it's crazy stuff, so, but you're going to have to do it and try to avoid the post office and sending it back. We call it mail-in balloting, but you don't have to use the post office in most states. You can take it right to the polling center, hopefully to the early polling center. And make the best, the best of all worlds, if you can do it, is get a whole bunch of students to go as a group 
and put in your uh, ballots at the county voting uh, elections board or your county clerk and they can verify your say I want my signature verified right now I want this ballot validated right now it doesn't not counted it's validated in other words you're a legit voter in other words, they like you don't have any challenges to your vote it's I know it's a big rigmarole but you know Stacey Abrams knew she had to go back into that county office to get a new ballot thousands and thousands of ballots were rejected in New York by the Democratic Party so it's not just Republicans the Democratic Party uh, challenged 24,000 votes and therefore and succeeded in knocking out 12,000 mail-in ballots they challenged one in three one in three mail-in ballots 28 percent of the ballots were challenged and that flipped the election and the justice the you know um, AOC and her justice Democrats uh, lost the race because their ballots were disqualified. And I can guarantee you a lot of student ballots in that. And one thing that a lot of people did, they opened up, you know, their ballots came sealed. The inner ballot was also sealed, something wrong. And so they ripped it open and then closed it with scotch tape. Well, you add scotch tape, you've just lost your vote. I also understand that there's, there's a lot of cases of, for example, someone filling in a, a bubble with an X instead of coloring it in or using the wrong ink. Are, are there some specific things that people should be aware of? Yeah, by the way, if you're wondering, 1.9 million votes were junked in 2016. 1.9 million now rejected. Um, so I'd be very careful. I can tell you that my sister, who is a lawyer, lost her vote because she didn't properly fill in a bubble, so they disqualified her ballot. In places like California, you can actually look up and see if your ballot was counted. Hers was a mail-in ballot. If you vote on a machine, you generally don't have these problems. So if you can vote, if, if you can vote in person, and by the way, ladies and gents, stop talking about election dates. In most states, it's election month. You have early voting. And if you go in midweek, midweek, you can, uh, you know, usually these places are dead empty dead empty. So you don't, don't wait for election day and wait in line four hours and get a virus. And especially if your ballot hasn't come to you, don't wait for election day. Say, where's my ballot? Don't do that. And so I'm very, very concerned. I know that I was at UCLA in the, during the California primary. During the week, I was at the voting center right on campus. There were three people who came in in two hours. That's it. And then on election day, the line was three hours long. Why are you waiting for election day? One thing I, I'm curious about, I've voted in every election I've been able to vote in. I tend to, I tend to want people to vote. But one area where I've always been a little concerned is, well, what if people just vote each election and then pat themselves on the back, don't really pay attention? I'm just curious in your thoughts on, is there anything we can do beyond voting? You better. Because if, if your idea of democracy is that once every two years you cast a ballot and then you go home and, you know, just grab a bag of potato chips and watch reruns of Friends. Uh, so I think that, yeah, then, then, you're, then you're a fool because you got to keep an eye on these guys. So even, you know, okay, so st students were the core of the Obama for president machine. Absolutely. They drove it. They got the signatures. They did the whole thing. And then to a great extent, a lot of people just fell asleep. Oh, we got the guy we wanted. You know, he's cool. That's enough. And then, and then a lot of progress that we hoped would happen didn't. Because when 
Obama got in office, remember there's tremendous pressure from lobbyists and moneyed interests and banks and, and oil companies and, uh, you know, et cetera. And, and the, remember, the young kids elected him, but the old farts ruled. And that's the big problem. So we have to keep an eye on him and say, if we have to, we get in the streets. And we saw the power of students who pretty much led the George Floyd protests. You know, you had people of all ages, but for the most part, this whole thing was led by students using social media and uh, so you could have, you know, flash gatherings, et cetera. Tremendous. And so you saw your power. You saw your power with Obama, but then you went to sleep. You saw your power with George Floyd protests. Don't go to sleep. Stay on it. And it's beyond the voting. So, but number one, right now, this year, our number one job is for you to make sure not only that you protect your vote and vote, but that you show other people how to do it. You gotta, you know, send out the alarm. You make sure, did you include your photo ID, et cetera? Take a look at those rules, protect yourself. So this year it's voting, but I gotta tell you, if there's a change in regime, you gotta stay active. If there isn't a change of re regime, you really better stay active. So your choices are active or very active. And, and you know, you could do it. That's, look, you know, when I was, in college, we, we shut down all the schools for uh, on a massive strike against the war in Vietnam and the invasion of Cambodia. You know, some kids got killed at Jackson State, Ohio State, um, but that's what you gotta do. You know, if you want a better world, no one's gonna give it to you. You seize it. I really respect that type of thinking. And if it, if it comforts you at all, I can just say that my feed social media is full of people my age sharing info on here's how you vote, uh, here's what you need to know. So ho hopefully we're getting the message out. Um, well, one thing I want to do is, by the way, at gregpalace.com, there, uh, there'll be all kinds of help on how you can vote by mail in in your state as we get going. We're going to have films up by including some movie stars that you know well. I'm not going to mention them right now because we want to get the word around. So go to Greg Palace, sign up at gregpalace.com. And of course, and there we have, and as well as the back of the book, How Trump Stole 2020, we also have uh, included in that is a 48-page comic book by Ted Rall. That, that's good cliff notes on how to save America. But we also have at the back a two-page item uh, called the ballot condom. Nope, you don't wrap it around your ballot. You just follow the seven steps to protect your vote. That's number one. And then get that word around to protect others' votes. We're going to have to fight for the vote. And one final plea, well, I don't know if it's final. You can talk to me as much as you want. But um, my plea, since you guys are young and and not as susceptible to the virus as an, you know, an old dude like me, and therefore... We are desperate for people to work the polls, please, for early, and it's not just election day, sign up to work the, the polls on early voting so you can help uh, people get voting. And then finally, we need people to volunteer for the vote count. This is where the mischief's going to happen, where they're going to be saying, I don't like that signature. Oh, that kid doesn't really live there because they, you know, they mailed it from another state, even though that they're a registered student etc. Oh, they left out the witness signature. They didn't get the, the postmark. Um, these are all things you have to worry about. And we need young people to volunteer to be in that room to, to tell the creeps back off, don't challenge those ballots.
Mm -hmm. And that actually sort of leads to what my uh, probably final question is, which is that we've talked a lot about leading up to the election, uh, what can be done. And, and if there's anything we haven't covered, please feel free to add it. But uh, I also am seeing reports that you have, it, since there is going to be so many mail-in ballots, we probably won't hear the results on election day. It will probably take a while. What, uh, what should people be doing to ensure that after they've cast their vote, we're getting the results and we're getting them correctly? Well, like I say, volunteer to be there for the count. Ballots must be open, mail-in ballots must be opened in public. You got to be there, but then there's all these jerks who are going to say, challenge that ballot. And uh, normally I was expecting it to be only the Republicans on doing mass challenges, but now we know that the Democrats are mass challenging and what, as well. What I'd like to do is have a, a group of people who are in favor of counting ballots and uh, challenging the challengers. But it's going to have to be people who won't die by being in that room when the ballots are open. So I'm leaving it to you guys. Uh, don't let me down. Get my ballot counted, please. You know, that's, that's important. To our listeners, uh, emphasis on that. Do not let Greg down. I, I really pr appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Okay. Uh, where can people learn more about this, follow your work, find out more about what is going on? Well, besides the book, How Trump Stole 2020, the, uh, go to gregpalast.com. That's G-R-E-G-P-A-L-A-S-T dot com gregpalace.com and we're going to have pages we're going to have the purge sheets up so that if you're if you're in um, ohio at, at ohio state you can see if you've been purged we're getting those lists we just got michigan ann arbor students in the next couple of weeks i expect to go to my website and see if you've lost your vote and if you have you re-register so gregpalace.com is where you want to go to get this info and the ballot condom and uh, the future reports that we'll be putting out all uh, through the election time and on November 4, and hopefully I won't be reporting from the riots. <laughs> well, Greg Palace, thank you so much. Um, I appreciate the work you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate your work too. Let's get the word out. Thank you.